This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. 620 CKRM is proud to be your voice for everything ag. Welcome to SaskAg Today with your host, Ryan Young. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to SaskAg Today. It's brought to you by Milligan Bio, the leading buyer of heated and damaged canola in Saskatchewan, wants to buy your seed. Visit MilliganBio.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. On today's show, the union representing 436 Viterra employees are counting votes of approval or rejection of Viterra's latest offer. Canola and wheat futures this week were either up slightly or stable. Kevin Hirsch with SaskAgToday.com had a conversation with a man known on social media as Andy Clean. And the food banks of Saskatchewan, excuse me, are feeling cheerful as their feeding holiday cheer campaign exceeded expectations. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to Sask Ag today on the voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Off the top, we're going to go into a little bit more detail on the union representing Viterra workers and their ratification of Viterra's latest offer. This is SaskAg Today with 620 CKRM Ag News Director, Ryan Young. SaskAg Today is brought to you by Johnston's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection, and Farm Fresh Water. Fix your water problems. Visit farmfreshwater.ca. The union, which represents about 436 Viterra employees, is counting members' votes today on accepting or rejecting the company's latest offer. Negotiations for a new deal between the General and Grain Services Union, Locals 1 and 2, and Viterra Canada Incorporated have been ongoing for over a year but stalled over wages, a better work-life balance, and respect in the workplace. Earlier this month, the GSU issued 72 hours strike notice to Viterra, and the company made an offer in the 11th hour to avoid a strike. It primarily includes an overall wage increase of 13.25% spread out over four years. Members of GSU Local 1, which are employees at Vi- excuse me, Viterra Grain Elevators around the province and Local 2, which are employees at Viterra's head office here in Regina, had more than 10 days to review the offer and vote yay or nay on the deal. The expectation is an announcement of the results sometime this afternoon. Canola futures are trying to find a stable point, but some positive news could boost could provide the boost it needs. Future commodity advisor with PI Financial Adam Picallo says the March canola contract is up about ten dollars a ton this week to around six hundred thirty-five dollars. We might see a bit of bottoming here. I was looking at six forty as support. Uh, so if we are kind of staying below, I would still say we are in a bit uh, of a lower trend still. However, it kind of seems that uh, maybe the sellers are a little bit less active here kind of right now. Uh, there was actually some strong U.S. export sales last week with uh, corn and wheat above all expectations and soybeans and soy meal at the higher end. So that's kind of supporting a little bit of the soy markets and canola here right now. Bacallo says that good news is spilling into the wheat futures, even though the March Minneapolis wheat contract is relatively unchanged this week at around $6.97. He is hoping it will rise to above $7. 
He's heard from other experts that palm oil prices could rise this year by 4%, which would be good for canola. One thing kind of looking at that analysts, the biggest price influencers will be kind of Indonesia's B35 biodiesel mandate implementation uh, and an increase in supplies of uh, kind of rival veg oils, especially soy oil with soy output rising in South America. So uh, whenever we see kind of some of those, the palm oil futures increasing, that should be supportive for canola. But uh, right now I've, I've still been hearing really less demand and less exports in Canada uh, for canola. And that could kind of maybe keep the futures lower here for the next while. When asked about the ongoing protests in Germany over the government scrapping diesel fuel tax breaks for farmers, Piccolo says it hasn't been a big factor in the markets compared to conflicts in the Middle East. Honestly, I haven't really seen that uh, very much. I would say a bigger, you know, a kind of factor maybe this uh, right now is kind of some of the tensions in the Middle East, uh, kind of U.S. strikes and things like that. So we have some food prices a little bit more volatile. Um, but I haven't really seen any direct impact from the, the protests in Germany. Adam Bacallo is a future commodity advisor with PI Financial, based in Winnipeg. We're going to take a quick break here on SaskAg today. Coming up next is looking at the beef sustainability assessment from a different angle. Got a little bit of reaction to that report. Keep it tuned here to 620 CKRM. We'll be back right after these messages. We're back with Saskag Today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to the program. The Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef released its second sustainability assessment earlier this week. It found that there was a 15% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions to produce one kilogram of boneless beef in 2021 compared to seven years previously in 2014. The report also shows that land used for beef cattle production is estimated to store 1.9 billion tons of soil organic carbon. That is nearly 40% of the total soil carbon across Canada's agricultural landscape. Land used as pastures and cropland in Canada contributes 74% of the critical habitat that wildlife requires for reproduction and 55% of their food needs. Ryan Beyerbeck is the chair of the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef and he is a beef producer from the Whitewood area in southeast Saskatchewan. He says the sustainability assessments are important. We're definitely closely watched in what we do. In Canada, we do a really good job of producing beef with a low environmental footprint. We're predominantly grasslands naturally, so it's not like we're having to convert land to raise beef. It really fits into the ecosystem well. On the animal welfare side of it, We've got strong regulations and good understanding on the producer side on what we need to do to take care of animals. So I think because we do a good job, I wouldn't say there's a lot of pressure, but you know people care about animals, so everybody's paying attention to what we do and make sure that we're doing a good job. You know, we learn new things and we improve our techniques on everything from grazing to taking care of animals and vaccines to keep them healthy. I wouldn't call it pressure, but I'd say that we do a good job here and we're recognized for it, but there's always room for improvement. Buyerback is confident the beef sector will be able to reach its 33% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by the end of the decade. When we look at 
um, feed additives. That looks like an opportunity where we can reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions, especially in feedlot animals. Um, on the cow-calf level, we see things like weaning more live calves and, and you know, better reproductive efficiency, things like that that we can do that'll help reduce the greenhouse gas footprint. So, you know, some of it's tied to better efficiency and some of it's tied to, you know, new technologies, I guess. The next sustainability report will be issued in late 2030 or early 2031. You're listening to Sask Ag Today. On the other side of the break is today's Ag Review with Doug Falconer. We'll be back right after these messages. You're tuned in to Sask Ag Today on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Today's Ag Review with Doug Falconer of GX94 is brought to you by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlemp's Integritire in Grenfell, your locally owned Integritire dealers. And My Grain Exchange, ready to market your 2023 crop, head over to MyGrainExchange.com and try their low-risk grain auctions. The federal government has announced more than $6 million in new spending for a study on a potential aviation fuel production site in Manitoba. It says the money will help Asia Sustainable Fuels Corporation deliver a front-end engineering and design study on the development of a facility primarily focused on producing sustainable aviation fuel, but that could also produce other renewable clean fuels. The government says the planned facility will be near Portage La Prairie and is expected to create more than 1,500 jobs during and after construction. The facility is also expected to produce around 1 billion litres of sustainable aviation fuel annually, primarily from feedstock such as canola and soybean oils. Extreme cold temperatures in Western Canada have done little to move the needle on feed grain markets as corn continues to come up from the United States and end users appear well covered for the time being. While feed demand typically rises as temperatures fall, warmer weather in November and December has kept end users showing a reluctance to buy more grain. According to Suzanne Leclerc of Market Master Limited in Edmonton, the feedlots don't want to be overbought, adding they've had such good weather that they don't want to be buying more than they need. Leclerc says the general trend in barley pricing was flat to lower. However, she adds that there was a wide price spread with spot opportunities arising from time to time for minimal tonnage. The Nova Scotia government says it's working with beef producers on new projects and programs to increase production in the province. Agriculture Minister Greg Morrill says the government wants to increase local food consumption and the percentage of food budget spent on locally grown and produced foods. Under a new initiative, Morrow's department will help address the training needs of meat processors, help with new management practices and farm innovations aimed at climate change, and help to promote consumer awareness. There are 380 licensed beef producers in Nova Scotia. Officials in Quebec say they've tracked down and killed one of two escaped wild boars that have been on the loose since at least September. The Wildlife Department says a team located the female boar in an abandoned farm building about 110 kilometers northeast of Montreal. 
The government has been searching for the two boars ever since they were first spotted in the area on September 17th and had asked the public to help track them down. Boars in the wild are considered an invasive species and the government says they can damage crops and ecosystems, harm native animal species and spread parasites and diseases. A spokeswoman for the Wildlife Department says the animals are believed to have escaped from a facility in the area. She adds that the meat from the captured boar will be given to community organizations and that the search for the second missing boar is ongoing. The situation in the Red Sea has led to a slowdown in Ukrainian agricultural exports in January. Attacks by Iran-allied Houthi militia in Yemen on ships in the region since November have slowed trade between Asia and Europe and alarmed major powers. An additional reason for lower shipments was the New Year holidays. Ukraine exported 4.8 million metric tons of food via its Black Sea Corridor in December, surpassing the maximum monthly volume exported under a previous UN-brokered grain deal. Prior to Russia's invasion in February of 2022, Ukraine exported about 6 million metric tons of food per month via the Black Sea. It now relies on the corridor along its western Black Sea coast near Romania and Bulgaria, its small ports on the Danube River, and exports over land via Eastern Europe. Kyiv believes it has managed to dislodge Russian forces from the western part of the Black Sea, securing grain exports which are crucial to its economy, as well as for important imports. And that's today's AgReview. I'm Doug Falk. It's your Saskag Today weather on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM Farm Precision Weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. I'm here with Phil Spivak from Precision Weather, and Phil, from what it looks like for this weekend, the temperature and the weather overall is uh, on the up and up. Yeah, it's certainly not warm today, but we're closer to average than we've been in a while, and over the course of the weekend, we get closer to, if not even above normal for a couple of days, and I'm still holding out hope that uh, as some warm air builds in late Monday into Tuesday, we run a pretty good chance of getting to the freezing mark. I don't think we'll crack it. Not everybody will get there, but at least some of us will. In the meantime, we're a long way from freezing. We're still, as I mentioned, a little below normal, minus 16 for the afternoon. Wind chill in the mid-minus 20s. It will come up a bit. The wind is starting to drop off, and over the next few hours, it will really come down considerably. It will pick back up, though, tonight, and as the temperature gets down to minus 18, maybe even minus 20 early, and then starts to rise, for a while, the wind chill gets back for, or to around uh, minus 30 to minus 35, but the temperature comes up, and as it does so, wind chill not as big of a factor in the morning, so the worst of the wind chill uh, even though it's approaching dangerous levels, is right in the middle part of the night. So the, the lowest impact for us, once we get into those uh, even pre-dawn hours, we'll see the temperature already rising. Tomorrow, though, the wind is up. So even though the temperature is up, it's still not the warmest of days. By the afternoon, up to minus 8, the wind could gust over 30 kilometers per hour, and that keeps the wind chill in the minus teens. Minus 14 Saturday night and up to minus 11 on Sunday. That is right where we should be this time of year. 
We'll see a little snow coming in for Sunday night and Monday, and that is not looking impressive. In fact, none of the snow looking uh, impressive as it comes in for the uh, end of the weekend and early next week. There will be some snow around, but light snow, minor to no accumulation most of the time, up to minus 6 on Monday and partly sunny Tuesday. There's that zero, so holding out the hope for that. Um, Again, not everybody gets there, but uh, at least we're close. If it's not zero, it's not minus 25, which I think is the key. Thank you very much, Phil. The normal highs for this time of year, minus 11. Normal lows, minus 23. Sun rose at 8.50 this morning in Regina, and the sun will set at around 5.30 late this afternoon. Taking a look around the province in Saskatoon, Mooseman and Estevan, minus 17. Minus 19 in Swift Current and Assiniboia. Yorkton, Melville, minus 16 degrees. And Weyburn, minus 18. The least cold spot in the province is a tie between Hudson Bay and Island Falls at minus 15.2. Cold spot in Leader at minus 28.6. In Regina, a little bit of light snow. West-northwest wind at 16 kilometers an hour. Humidity at 84%. Temperature minus 18 degrees or plus 1 Fahrenheit. With the wind chill, it feels like minus 26 degrees Celsius. And the barometric pressure is at 104 and rising. In Moose Jaw, also light snow, west-northwest wind at 11, and the temperature minus 18. Again in Regina, light snow, west-northwest wind at 16, and the temperature minus 18 degrees. Back in a moment. Catch up with all your ag news anytime at saskagtoday.com. Now, back to Saskag Today with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. This portion of SaskAg today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougalAuction.com And Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. Andy Paston, farmer from Tilsonburg, Ontario, was one of the panelists at Manitoba Ag Day's session dealing with social media and agriculture. Patson goes by the Twitter handle Andy Clean because his social media posts resulted in the launch of a soap product for cleaning farm equipment. Kevin Hirsch of SaskAgToday.com interviewed Andy Clean. Have a listen. So Andy, I know you've been asked this question a hundred times, but tell me the story of, of Andy Clean. Okay, so so it just basically got started from Twitter. I love keeping my equipment clean, so I just, you know, I started posting pictures of the before and after when I was washing because it was wintertime, and there was really not much going on other than that, so I actually had a farmer just comment on one of my pictures, and he just hashtagged it Andy Clean, and that's how it all kind of got started, so yeah. So where did it go from there? How successful has Andy Clean become? You have your own own line of soap, right? Yep, yep, yep. So we got our own brand of soap that has a part number in John Deere. And if you told me four years ago I'd be doing something like this and have a part number in John Deere, I would have told you crazy. But yeah, so that's kind of where it's gone. It's gone from a hashtag to going a little viral on Twitter and now to actually being a product and being available at your store to buy it. So yeah. So is it successful? Are you, yes. are you getting good sales? Well, You're happy with it? So yeah, well, you know, we would have considered two jugs, uh, like selling two jugs as a success, right? But yeah, so it's actually far outpaced what I thought 
I would I would ever imagine, right? So, but I can't retire from farming, right? And I, I'm not farming with money still yet. So, so, but as far as the people I get to meet and the places I get to go, it's been a, a major, huge success. Yes. You, you probably get to go down in the, in the U.S. with John Deere and see some of their operations down there. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically the bulk of our sales are in the U.S. just because, you know, population rise, right? And the amount of farmers. But yeah, we've been all over the place and yeah, we've been to get to jump in the shows with John Deere and their booth and stuff like that, right? So, so yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. So tell me about the equipment. So this is this is a foaming agent yep. before you wash. Yeah, yeah. So actually, yeah, it, it, you put it in a foam cannon, you run it straight, and it just foams it on your equipment, right? I still recommend scrubbing because we made our soap strong enough to work, but not too strong where you have to worry about it wrecking anything if you leave it on too long, right? So so if you really want a, a deep deep clean, you know, I recommend scrubbing, but it's great for a quick wash if you want to spray it on and rinse it off works great that way too, so yeah So is it uh, available to people allergic to, to green John Deere? Can you get it elsewhere or you have to go to John Deere? <laughs> so it's got a part number in A&I now, so the A&I part number is ACAM1 so your local case dealer New Holland dealer, if they have an A&I part number, they can get the soap in so yeah. Great to see you out in uh, in Western Canada. What's your perception of being out here? You know what? I love it because how wide open it is. So I'm from Southern Ontario, so it's a lot more smaller farms sizes, right? The field sizes aren't as big. Where you get out here and it's just wide open. I I called my dad uh, the next day after I flew in here. I was like, I think we should move to Manitoba. So yeah, he goes, I don't know if I can take the cold. So so yeah. But other than the cold, yeah, it's really cold. But the people are really warm so yeah that's what that's what's awesome so you are you uh, straight green are you green and vegetables or all you yeah yeah so we're corn and beans and then vegetables too we got cucumbers and peppers so so yeah so that that keeps our summer really busy with the vegetable side so so no trips to the to the cottage or as you guys call them out here cabins right so so yeah so it's it's a pretty busy but what else are we gonna do right that's what we do we're farmers so yeah that's Andy Paston, a farmer from Tilsonburg, Ontario, talking with Kevin Hirsch, the chief agricultural editor of SaskAgToday.com, at this week's Manitoba Ag Days in Brandon. You're listening to Sask Ag Today. We'll go from one feel-good story to another, as the food banks of Saskatchewan announced their overall fundraising total from this past season's feeding holiday cheer campaign. Keep it tuned here to 620 CKRM. You're tuned in to Saskag today on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskag today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumber yard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com the Food Banks of Saskatchewan is feeling joyful after a successful feeding holiday cheer campaign held over the holidays. Over $3 million was raised, helped by a $250,000 donation from Nutrien when the campaign launched in late November. Executive Director of the Food Banks, Michael Kincaid, appreciates the support from businesses like Nutrien. It's very important to get those huge donations, and Nutrien has been a fantastic, just a wonderful partner with us for over eight years now, and 
that $250,000 just really gives it a, a, a good kickstart and, and off to a good start. Other, uh, other you know, uh, corporations, companies really kind of stepping up. The Sun, Saskatchewan Union of Nurses, they always jump in. Uh, this year was a $50,000 donation. That really helps. Uh, Kelly Pantala con- Construction uh, with 100000 You know, big donations like that really really help us to reach our goal and uh, kind of inspire other companies to, to donate as well. Since 2010, Nutrien has donated almost $9 million to the food banks of Saskatchewan. Kincaid is also grateful for the people's support. Every little bit is, is so much appreciated. Uh, you know, that couple dollars from your neighbour, you know, it all adds up. And it just, it never ceases to amaze me how Saskatchewan uh, residents just step up to help their, their friends and neighbours and families. You know, we all know it's tough. We all know, you know, our extra disposable income, there's not much left there at the end of the, the month. And for people to reach in deep and, and be able to help uh, support others that, that are, you know, maybe little, not doing quite as well as them, uh, it just means, means such a, a big thing to, to us and everyone. Kincaid says the money will help the 36 registered food banks across the province buy food they would otherwise not normally get, creating a healthy food hamper for clients. The food banks of Saskatchewan anticipates demand will remain high this year. You're listening to Sask Ag Today on 620 CKRM. Coming up next is the Market Update. Here's the Market Update with Ryan Young on 620 CKRM. Grain prices at Viterra were up in early trading today. Canola is up $5.90 at $5.99.52 a metric ton. Number one red spring wheat is up $2.18 at $3.19.69. The rest were unchanged. Durham $4.47.60. Feed barley $2.42.58. Chickpeas $11.68.44. Flax $5.91.04. Lentils $7.77.50. Oats $2.90.32. Yellow peas 446.38, feed wheat 238.46. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, hard red spring wheat for March is up eight and a half cents at six dollars and ninety-six and a half cents a bushel. Up next is the livestock report. The Saskag Today Livestock Reports on your voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock 842-4574. Now here are the latest Livestock Quotes. Good afternoon. This is Travis Platt with Heartland Livestock Moose Show. This past Thursday, we had our regular cow and bull sale, and here's how it went. Them good cows are $1.20 to $1.30 with sales up to $1.34. Them medium cows are $1 to $1.20, and them counter cows are $0.75 cents to a buck. Them younger feeder type cows are $1.40 to $1.60. Them heiferettes were $1.80 to $2.20 with sales up to $2.25. Them bulls are trading for $1.20 to $1.30 with sales up to $1.37. Next week, we have another regular cow and bull sale Thursday, January 25th, and our next pre-sort will be Tuesday, January 30th. Any other marketing needs or looking to book in, don't be afraid to give us a call at 692-2385. This is Travis Platt reporting from Heartland Livestock Moose Job. Good day and good. Now for the latest uh, pork prices, they're at $172.51 per CKG. 
Up next is the Resource Report. It's the Saskag Today Resource Reports on 620 CKRM. Here's Ryan Young. A new benchmark was set for natural gas usage during the latest cold snap in Saskatchewan. Sask Energy says the peak was last Friday at 1.70 petajoules per day, surpassing the previous record of 1.65 petajoules set two years ago. The Crown Corporation says demand mainly came from power generation and residential heating. The U.S. Congress has sent President Joe Biden a short-term spending bill that would avert a looming partial government shutdown and fund federal agencies into March. The House approved the measure by a vote of 314 to 108, with opposition coming from mostly from the more conservative members of the Republican conference. Nevertheless, about half of Republicans joined with Democrats in passing the third stopgap spending measure in recent months. The action came hours after the Senate had voted overwhelmingly to pass the bill. The bill extends current spending levels and buys time for the two chambers to work out their differences over full-year spending bills. On the markets, the TSX is down 29 points at 20,727. The Dow is up 128 points to 37,597. Oil is down 62 cents at $73.33 per barrel. And the Canadian dollar is at 74.20 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Sask Ag Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's going to do her for Friday's edition of Sask Ag Today. I'm Ryan Young. Have a nice day and a nice weekend. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.